Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Running to the boys in blue. Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. 
check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Yeah, yeah. And why did we start with that? Because we got a special guest in the house. Yeah, y'all know him as LR. You know, the game changer says you got to go see LR. And tonight he's going to hang with us for an entire show. We got our special man in the house, Larry Randall, CEO of Resistance Digital Solution, our sponsor. What's up, LR? How you doing, man? LR. What's up, fellas? Uh, happy to be here tonight, uh, getting the last one in before the new year. And uh, I just want to have a first shot at yeah, I just want to have a first shout-out to uh, Detroit Lions for helping my team out. Thanks a lot, boys. I appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Listen to this man. Right. Talk, Talk about that. Right. We, we, we definitely going to get into that playoff race talk and what's going on. We're going to get in there. We love I'm glad you are in the seat with us tonight, man. I'm looking forward to uh, spending this time with you. And then I got my guy, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's consistent. You know, he's kind of guy, when you look at his stat line, he's going to have like 18 points, 15 rebounds. He'll have like seven assists. You know, the, the, he, he is, he is, he's, like, uh, he's like that guy that just is a stat eater. And so I'm glad to have him on with us doing the thing and kind of riding it. My regular partner here, Phil T. PhD, how you doing, man? Hey, man, glad to be with you guys. When I was listening to the intro, it got me going when Ray said, I blame it on Nintendo. And to listeners that may not know what the heck he was talking about, I'm going to try to set the table and, Devon, fill in the spaces that I missed. But I believe we were having, or this is actually pre-me, you guys were having a discussion about LeBron and D-Wade and Bosch getting together and just how you know, guys like Jordan and Bird wouldn't have done that. And you and Marcus had a rationale of why it was going on. And Ray came in and said, I blame it on Nintendo. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know what? No, it was a decision. You guys were talking about his decision yes. and, and how yes. he went on and did the decision. And I think Ray said, I blame it on Nintendo because, you know, that generation – like he doesn't have anybody to tell him no, to tell him that's a bad idea. So it was – every time I hear it, it, it just cracks me up, man. Uh, we, we, uh, throughout the history of the show, I mean, as you look at listen to the downloads, you can find them at realsportsguys.com. Uh, you can also download us on iTunes. And you got to go back to some of those early shows because we have some classics, these one-liners that, that have shown up in our intro now, there's a lot more. It's probably on the scrap floor, but that one was a classic because that's where we get into the psyche of why people make decisions, and that's what makes the real sports guys the real sports guys. See, and, it, and the fact that you picked that out of the intro and got you, that tells you why we do what we do. You, yeah. you make me proud, man. Yep. You make me proud, even though you beat me in fantasy. I made Woo. a run. I made a, I made a Villanova-like run. You know, kind of a Massimino late run. I thought we were, I was about to take down Georgetown, but I decided to let my Steeler pride get ahead of me, and I didn't go back to the original reason why I, I took Kaepernick. But, you know, you just had a strong team all together. I was just glad to try to be in there and make it a run. But, uh, you know, you've been here two straight years. You're making a run, man. I, I, I have to tell you. But 
it, it's, it's, it's kind of the irony of that game changer who was a highly ranked team throughout the year that I beat in the first round the upset of the year. It's not always. <laughs> like, I'm about to wait for the new year. You know, folks, we've got to wait for like, January 14th. When we come back, we'll have some classic shows, some spotlights. But we're going to take a break because we've got to get our mind right for the new year. Yeah. And we'll come back January 14th, and that's why I'm still going to go in on him on the 14th. So hopefully he listens to this. But I'm not going to let him off the hook. But I yeah. did take it on the chin this week to Phil T, who's just surgical on you. He's just surgical. You know, you know, he he he's kind of like I, I, I might say kind of like uh, a, a a Mayweather type guy. This is always working out. He's never out of shape. He's he always in the gym. He don't take no days off. You know, he's got that kind of attitude towards fantasy, man. This is, and I just think I don't have that kind of energy. But you just are so surgical with it. How do you do it, brother? Well, I tell you what, in that league, and, and Larry, you're in that league with us too, right? Uh, not this year. I, okay. I took a hiatus this year, but I, I know yeah. where you guys are coming from, though. So, well, this year, you know, this league, it's my second year, and it's Ray's league, and uh, you know, for various reasons, we we didn't have as many guys, so we, you know, it's only eight of us in that league, and so the free agent bucket is is thick, so. You know, I was telling Devon earlier in the week, you know, I got my Alonzo voice on from uh, from training day, Denzel. You know, how you want it, Jake? I'm surgical with this. You know, how you want it? Because I could have thrown Aaron Rodgers out there had he played. I could have thrown Tom Brady. I could have thrown Andre Brown. And none of those guys played because my three receivers are Kelvin Johnson, Dez Bryant, and Thomas, the wide receiver from Denver. I, I always struggle with his first name. And then I've started Nick Foles. Um, <laughs> but the league I'm really disappointed in is the uh, Eric Hamilton, our fantasy football guru from KZU. I actually <laughs> lost. I lost in his in his league. And, I mean, this is like the Cadillac of leagues. And I was a top seed. Actually, I was in the top seed of all three of my leagues. And, uh, unfortunately... Uh, I'll be in the championship in two of them next week, but in Eric's league, I lost uh, to my man Ryan Owens out of Kalamazoo, and uh, he had uh, he had a really good team, top bottom, beat me by about 15 points. He got 80 points from Jamal Charles, and that hurt. I had <laughs> yeah, Charles. That's crazy. I had Charles last year, man. I had him and Calvin Johnson, and my team was not superior in that league, but I ended up winning because they just went crazy the last three weeks of the season. Um, so I couldn't even hate, man, because Ryan put together a really nice squad. But, uh, but yeah, that's so, – so I'm happy about going to the championship in those two leagues, you know, Ray's League and Royster's League. But uh, I was heartbroken, man, because Eric – you know, Eric is like the commission, man. I'm looking at the trophy right now. Um, I mean, he just got a real bomb league, so it's, it's tough to lose. Uh, and most of those guys I went to high school with, they know them from home. And so we get on each other pretty good. So it's always tough to lose there. And I will say that I am in the championship, really in the oldest league. This league is like the old ACC. And they can only have one team go to the championship. This is this league is a league that's, you know, our, 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 it's known as our Blake College League. This league, we have a trophy for the, the person who comes in last place. 
and I am in the finals. Uh, and I'm about to restore the glory of the league as I become the new commish. See, because, see, I, I'm never out. I might have been out this one, but I'm in, in the league that is like the granddaddy. It's like the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's this like the old like man the league. The, the, the granddaddy of them all uh, <laughs> we're going to have. We only take four teams in the playoffs. You know, like I said, it's like that old ACC team. Yeah, yeah, Duke was 25-5, and five, but Carolina was, you know, 26-4. Uh, and four. <laughs> and they get to go to the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of league this is. <laughs> and I'm in the championship. And I will be holding the trophy. I'm having it in my office. I have it sitting in my office. I'll take a picture and have it on Twitter. Y'all can catch me at, you know, RSGD Wills. Uh, I'll have a Twitter, the, the, the Twitter pic of it, a picture of it in my office sitting behind me looking like, looking like uh, one of the champions of the, of the, of the national championship. Uh, you know, it like the, it's going to look like the Sears trophy. In my office. Now, Devon, I do have a huh? confession. I do have a yeah. confession. Yeah. I'm about to ask Larry to be the judge and jury to to see if I violated fantasy football ethics. If I violated Uh-oh. the rules of the code, you know, and, and because I love you, Devon, like a brother, because <laughs> you are my mentor, I'm, I'm just going to come clean. Um, Luke Hoover. Uh, Roto World, uh, Roto Wire, um, done some work with ESPN. He's coming to our show a few times. The most recent being a few weeks ago. He's a senior football writer on Roto Wire. Um, shout out to Luke. His Twitter is Hoover underscore L underscore A. Well, I reached out to Luke and I emailed Luke across my three leagues. The you know the one or two lineup questions I have for each line. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> and, you know, and for this league that we played against Devon, uh, that, that we played against each other in, I said, you know, I have Marshawn Lynch, Shane Vereen, and Andre Brown. And this is a this is a non-PPR league. If it was a PPR league, it's, it's a no-brainer. You play Vereen and you play Lynch. And so, you know, I said, which one do I sit? I'm thinking about... In the email, I said, I'm thinking about sitting Brown and, and starting Vereen and Lynch. And he emailed me back and said, yeah, that's right, I'd go. The other lineup question I had was tight end. Do I start Tony Gonzalez? Do I start Walker from Tennessee? Or do I start Pitta, who had a huge week, his first week back in week 15 last week? and Or week 14. And... You know, I said, I'm leaning towards um, Walker. He came back and he said, no, start Pitta. And I went against my earlier thought, and I went against his suggestion, and I started Gonzalez, who had a big week. And so between Vereen and Brown, I started I started Vereen, which I was going to do anyway. He instructed me to do so, but Vereen actually had a bad week. So I did get a little help, Devon. I did. And, you know, I used the clout of being the producer of the show, you know, booking guests to reach out and ask for a favor. And so, you know, Larry, did I violate a rule there? In my opinion, no. I mean, I ask for input when I set my lineups. One of the things about fantasy is that even the so-called, I mean, even the experts that do this 
year in and year out don't always get it right because it's the NFL. It's unpredictable, but at the same time, it's good to see other um, views on what type of player you want to play at a certain time. Now, if it was me, you know, I wouldn't be upset with you personally because I do the same thing, and I think everyone does. You know, I call Steve and I say, hey, who would you play in this spot? Would you play this guy or this guy? Right. And, you know, it's not really frowned upon, I don't think. Um, you know, I, I don't – and, and yeah, he, wrote, he works for Rotowire. You know, there's no different, difference than me calling, like, a sports radio show here in Chicago and asking a similar question to, the, to their experts. They probably going to give me a different answer than the Rotowire guy. <laughs> so, you know, you – I, I don't really mind that type of activity when uh, you're trying to decide between a few dudes, but I'm hating on your roster, though. Well, this is what I'll say. What, what it tells me is that you were scared. And when I, you, start, you came out, you came out talking that junk. There you came go. out talking that junk. And when I came back with my response, what it told me was, you like, I could not lose to him. I'm, going, I'm calling all my assets. Well, okay. Okay. And, 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 and wait, that, let me tell you this. If I would have won you, this game and won won the league, you, you, you even said yeah. I don't know how you made the playoffs. It might have been the greatest comeback in fantasy league. And I you know, agree. I talked I about agree. it for years. I mean, you was like two and seven at one point, and you came back and ended up seven and six and seven and made the playoffs. And you know, I was talking stuff which is uncharacteristic for me. Now on the show. I've been giving it to these guys for the last year, you know, just random moments, you know, the World Series show. Oh, oh guys, by the, you know, by the way, I won't let you know I won fantasy last year. You know, I, I mean, but that's not really my personality. So when I was talking smack, talking, you know, telling D, and Game Changer was there, you know, hey, how do you want it? You know, we laughing, hee hee, and Devon just comes back with, make sure you start the right lineup. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, you know, and I sobered up real quick, and I, you know, I did get a little scared. I did get a little scared. But, I, you know, but, but I mean, look at look at your roster, though. I mean, how bad of a lineup could you have had? I mean, yeah. you don't even need to ask anybody like, who do I need to start in this spot? Because it really don't even matter. It's just a roll of the dice either way. But you got good options at every spot. So, but me I, personally, but I wouldn't ask game for game any game. advice. When he, when he, when he, when he to be the game changer, I saw a team. And I beat him, too. So I thought he was like, this cat. And I left 23 points on the bench with game changer and beat him. So I know he was like, he might be on one of these legendary runs. So I know there was a fear yeah. in it. I don't, I don't hate on you. I don't hate on you at all. You know, you got to do what you need to do to win. And that's the way I see you doing stuff. That's what makes you so good at it, that you leave no stone unturned. You thorough with it. That's, you can't hate on that. Other folks got to be thorough if they want to beat you. You're going to have everything up. at your fingertips. I was cleaning up on the waiver wire all year in all my leagues. So, um, in, in Eric Hamilton's league, he's got an IR spot. And so I picked up Shane Vereen um, off the IR, and I just sat him there for a while. I picked up uh, um, Andre Brown, who was on my IR. I flipped that for a really nice trade with RG, uh, R.J. Page from um, Inside the Park. And, you know, to get Wes Welker, and a lot of good that did me last week. 
But uh, but really, man, the waiver wire really helped out. I mean, all the guys I just mentioned, Walker, Pitta, um, uh, Rogers, Nick Andre Rose. Brown, Vereen, Foles, yeah. all those guys, man, picked up, you know, and, and just kind of held on. And, and, and fortunately, I got off to a good start in that league, so that's one of the things you can do, you know, if you – you know, it's week six or seven, and you know you're going to make the playoffs. You can kind of, you know, sacrifice some roster spots, but that worked out really good so far. Well, we got a great night. This is a great warm-up. Um, we we have a, a great night of topics we're going to talk to. And as you know, we're going to lay out an agenda, and, and as we flow, um, we might not get to everything. Uh, we're going to hope to get into it, but we're going to try to hit the meat of most things. And so, you know, in our funky editorials, we talk about the intro to let you know, uh, we're going to talk about Texas football. What's happening? Matt Brown has announced he's leaving. Uh, we want to get into what's the next steps for, for that football program, which is one of the top jobs in the country, uh, and, and what we need to do. We're going to get into the NFL Week uh, 15 talk, as we've been kind of doing, trying to get an understanding of what do we know, what have we learned, what's happening with these divisional races, who are some of the MVP candidates that are rising in and coming uh, forward on us, and we can, we can share a little bit of that. We're going to go into the six in the chamber. We're going to, we're going to uh, do some of our picks here. And, you know, and I, I think uh, Game Changer will be tallying things up, but I, I think I've been dominating like old Jimmy the Greek again. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody needs to pay me for what I do. Um, uh, you know, without the expertise or whatever Jimmy was saying, but he was good at picking people. And then we'll get into some NBA talk. There's a lot coming up. Kobe's back in the house. You know, D. Rose is um, – out, but talking about you know what you know, you know speaking on what he hopes happens with the future of the Bulls. Um, there's some early MVP candidates that we want to talk about a little bit, and who we think is rising to the occasion. There's some great stuff happening in the NBA, um, and then you know as we normally do, we want to get into um, you know uh, our, our resistance digital dog of the week. You know, given that we we have our guy LR in the house, we want to make sure we honor him, pay some bills, and make sure y'all show him love and his company love. Uh, you know, with Resistance Digital, make sure you get out there. We'll, we'll have LR talk a little bit about, at some point, about what's going on there and what people can expect uh, as we move into the Christmas holidays and things they, they can kind of do to drive towards that. So there's a lot going on this one, but we're going to kick it off a little bit here with the Funky Editorial and, and get into that uh, with a little bit of the Funky Editorial. Fellas, only one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right. We got this funky editorial. We got the Texas Longhorns. Oh, my goodness. Hook them horns. Mac Brown steps down. They are who we thought they were. And, uh, you know, I had a, one of my former teammates in high school play for Mac Brown in North Carolina. Did a lot of love for him there. Uh, Mac had a good run. Fellas, let's just start with, you know, I know, you know, and it usually happens with legendary coaches. You know, things kind of end, Bobby Bow and everything else. But when you take a step back and just kind of think about their impact, um, Phil, let's start with you. When you think about Mac Brown's tenure at Texas, how would you frame you know, what his experience has been at Texas and what he's done for Texas football. I think he brought Texas football back to prominence. And if you look at that 10-year stretch 
from 2000 to 2010. I mean, that included a national championship. I think he only lost 16 or 17 games during that stretch versus almost 110 wins. This is a guy that was averaging, you know, 10-plus wins a year and less than two losses a year. Um, I think he brought this back to Texas football is what's up. He brought it back to he he started winning uh, recruiting in the state of Texas. Before he got there, um, you know, Texas was losing out to Texas A&M. They were losing out big time to Oklahoma. I mean, you know, if you think about the late 90s and the early aughts, Oklahoma was running stuff on the national scene. So when he came into the mix and really gave them a boost those 10 years, he made Texas, again, to be one of the top jobs in the country. LR, as you think about Texas and Mac Brown, what's kind of been your initial thoughts about, you know, Mac Brown and what what he's meant uh, to Texas? What, what do you want to add to that? Well, I think part of it is that, you know, when when Nebraska started to fall off in the Big 12 or whatever they call it now, um, there wasn't really a clear, you know, change in other guard. I know Oklahoma has some successful teams under Stoops, but, you know, for Texas not to be number one in football in a conference is just absurd almost considering the, the roots of their high school programs and whatever else. He pretty much put them on the map. Like, no one was going to Austin to play football. I mean, not before Mac Brown, not that I remember, it, during my, I would guess, formative years. But when he got there and, you know, as the years progressed, he turned it around and started actually getting all of that homegrown Texas talent, I mean, they were dominant. And in that type of league where most teams are going to be competitive, it was, it was pretty astonishing. He did a good job while he was there. And, I, I mean, I don't even – I'm not a big fan of college football, but I, I don't like to see a guy like that lead a game because he thinks it's kind of passing him by. And from most of his comments, that's what he said. Like, you know, he's, it seems like he's having trouble relating to players, and it's like, well, it's still football. Like, how do you not relate to these kids? But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess, when it's time, it's time. But I hate to see him go. And one of the things I've, I've, I've figured out with this, and, and it's a little bit off script, but he's like 62 years old. He's the same age as Nick Saban. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches yeah. need to get somebody to handle their hair and color their hair. You know, Matt Brown looked like he's 70. Nick looked like he like 50. <laughs> right? So is it a branding? Like, do coaches now need to brand? Like, Nick is 62. But we don't think about Nick. You know, the game has passed him by. It's simple. Like, it comes down what, to winning. What is it? Huh? It comes down to winning. It's simple. If he's winning and they're going to BCS Bowls and he makes a national championship game, in the last two or three years, all this other stuff is over. It, it, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Well, I but think part of it, though, is he's came at the tail end of kind of a, a change in how a lot of the recruiting stuff works now. I mean, kids nowadays, you know, they don't really feel the need to go to a powerhouse. I mean, they, I, I just think they don't. And so now you're not getting all of this talent that you normally get. And so if you can't coach, <laughs> then your teams are going to suffer. And I think that was part of the problem. He came at the tail end where he could recruit a lot of that homegrown talent, but some of it started to get away, and 
he got exposed, you know, and, and it's unfortunate and it happens, but, you know, I, like I said, I, I still think he's a great facilitator. I just don't know how good of a coach he is. It's well, one of those things could, where could he talking? lost a lot. He lost yeah. a lot of talent off his staff. If you look yeah. at the last five years, he's lost both coordinators. Um, he lost another coordinator that replaced one of them. You know, and the most notable one is is Muschamp at at Florida. Yeah. But I think it speaks to how stronger recruiters they were, and he wasn't able to replenish that pipeline. Yeah, and and I and I think you know when you look at him. You know, he's what the like top two or three coach in terms of his uh, winning since you know since 1990. So what like you know yeah he had a few bad years here recently, but you, you could explain it away the the fact that you, right he, he he lost some great coordinators who were uh, on on the way to be head coaches. They were head coaches, and you know you just don't you know you just don't uh, replace that very often. Uh, Muschamp I think was was paid like a head coach. Right? He, right? He would he have like he had a two million dollar contract or three? I mean, he was paid like a head coach. So you know, you had in in this day and age, you, you're setting up rosters like that. Nick Saban's roster set up that his coaching um, uh, uh, staff. You know, his coordinators are paid big time money. So I think that's part of the game. But as you think about the book, is obviously closed. We're not going to reopen it, right? He's already shut it. So where does Texas go? Lr, where do they go now? What do they look like? How do they get back to prominence? What do they do? Um, what does what does the next coach need to bring? Before we, we think about candidates, what does the next coach need to bring to the table uh, in order to get Texas back on top? Well, I think one of the things is that they have to get away from thinking that they can just show up and beat people because they are Texas. I think uh, some of that, uh, you know, ego and mentality went into a lot of these kids that came in in the last couple of years, and they thought, well, we just Texas. We can show up. We can play. We can, you know, just pound the football running it, and we're going to beat teams 42 to nothing. Well, that don't actually work, <laughs> you know, not in today's college football game. So they're going to need – kids that will buy in to whatever they decide they're going to do. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if they're going to stick with the whole physical game that they're traditionally uh, have done in the past, but if, if they get kids to buy in, I don't think the transition is going to actually be that bad. Uh, if you hire a name, it probably will be even better. I mean, all you have to do is look at Ohio State and what they did when they got Urban Meyer. I mean, no one was talking about Ohio State, and then they own probation, and the next thing you know, they don't lose. <laughs> and so there's something to be said about getting the kids to buy into whatever you're selling them. You know, it don't matter. Yeah. It, it matters to a point what you're getting from recruiting, yeah. but if you get them to buy in, then you can be successful. For Texas, in the next few years, being successful – is actually being competitive in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, is this still even called the Big 12? I don't even know. <laughs> I think it's Big 12. I, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's, still it's Big the Big 12. 12. It, it, one of the things, before, Phil, before I go to you, I mean, what if, and I sat here and thought about this. Um, you, know, I, you know, I looked at it like um, what they need to do is they, not, they need to home, hold home court. 
So they need to get four of the top seven players in the state should be coming to Texas with the right recruiter. They need a coach who can do that kind of stuff. And I think then they need to follow what I'm thinking is the Jimbo Fisher approach. I, I say the Big 12 is better than the ACC. I think in the long run it could be, or it could be equivalent. But I think it's a conference that you'll have a good, enough good teams that will keep you in national ranking in terms of power ranking, that if you can dominate that conference, because I think there will be enough good teams that will rise in that conference that to keep you relevant, and you can do it. But I think the key what Jimbo did was he got back to winning the battle on both sides of the line of scrimmage. He got, he got those top kids on the offensive line and defensive line, and then he filled it in with the speed. You know, so I think you can look to a Jimbo Fisher's model in terms of how he followed uh, uh, Bobby Bowden and built that program, got to getting back some of those top kids from Florida back into his mix of law and getting some of those area states, you know, obviously with uh, Jameis, um, you know, getting him from Alabama. Uh, but, but, but still winning some of those top, you know, key on the side of the line of scrimmage because that allows you to compete against the SEC teams and top teams in the country. And I think finding a coach who can, can sell that to kids at Texas, stay at home, the mama can see you play, uh, you, when, you're, when you win at the long run, you're a legend forever. That kind of selling point, I think, still resonates with kids uh, in the state of Texas. Phil, what do you think uh, is needed uh, in the next coaching in terms of getting this program back on, on track? It's real simple. It's perception management. Um, don't let Here he comes. Here he <laughs> don't, don't let. I'm taking notes. <laughs> Don't let back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners come out of your backyard and with their ass, so what was your dream school to go to? Oh, it was Texas, but they didn't want me to play quarterback. Um, Don't let that happen. You know, don't miss on an RG3. Don't miss out on Manziel, you know, because you have this prototype of what a player should be. That was a criticism of a Brown. Like, how do you let that happen? And so – the next coach needs to be able to have um, that kind of vision to not miss out on those kind of game-changing players. Um, and so they've got to win the state of Texas. Because right now, you know, if they don't get the guy in maroon in the state, they got to recruit against him, and that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to recruit against the SEC regardless of who's sitting at that school in Maroon. Um, so whoever it is, they've got to be able to do, to lift the profile of the Big 12 to be competitive enough to compete with the SEC. So, some of the names that are, are triggering out, you know, obviously Jimbo Fisher, and I heard a great interview from Bobby Bowden that said, you know, Jimbo's kind of where I was uh, in the, you know, kind of late, 80s, early 90s when I was winning, but I wasn't quite um, have secured myself at Florida State, so I was, uh, you know, you know, a top candidate for every job. And I don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to leave Florida State. I just think there's too many good pieces in place there to do it. But then you're hearing about people who are like Gus Malzahn uh, at Auburn. You're hearing Art Browse, which I think he fits what I was talking about in terms of if you watch the way they play and the physicalness in which they play with, um, uh, I think he might be a good – they, Jim Mora is coming up. You're hearing Kirby Smart. Um, you're hearing James uh, Franklin at Vanderbilt. I mean, when you can win at Vanderbilt, 
You know, I yeah. think they're trying to steal a model from Stanford. Uh, but when you can win the way they've won uh, at Vanderbilt, um, you know, I think this is. So when you think about coaches that are coming up, who do you think might be um, a good fit? Do you have any names that come to mind for you uh, at Texas? Sumlin. Uh, who are you thinking? Sumlin, period. I think Texas he would be great at Texas. You think he would be more, I mean, do you think those programs, I mean, they both got historic kind of reputations. Do you think he, he, that's like moving from Michigan State to Michigan? Yeah. Mm, no, it's like moving from, um, it's like moving, <laughs> I don't know the comparison. I mean, but Texas it's is like, a big farm program. Texas A&M. It is. But it's always played little brother to Texas. Even when Texas was down, Texas A and M was just a little bit more relevant. You know, ten and three, nine and four. You know, that's so to me. It that's the frustration. You let go of Brown and you don't have somebody lined up. So this is what I think happens in the next ten days. Either they get Sumlin, or Texas A and M gives Sumlin a huge, massive extension. One of the two things happen. Well, you, you one think, name you that think I, something. What do you think? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, uh, Well, one one name that I haven't really heard is uh, I mean, I don't even know if he's interested, but when I first realized that Mac Brown was going to leave, I instantly went to Jim Trestle because yeah. I was like, I don't. I, you need a, you need a name. You got to get a name there. You can't you can't just put in a guy. I mean, just look at what happened at Illinois when you just put a guy in there. I mean, yeah. it can go from from a guy like uh, you know that is a legend to bad, real bad, and I don't think you can just sub in a coach from Program X to make up that difference. I think they really should be looking at Jim Trestle, but I know they're not. Yeah, he got too much baggage. You know, Jim. Jim is like everybody got 30, baggage 30 in college right football, though. But but he's thirty for thirty now. Anytime you play for correct, correct. That's it. That right there is your nail in your coffin. Young Cowboys. Young Cowboys. He's 30 for 30 now. He's 30 for 30. That's like a classic D. Will statement. You know, hey, you better watch out or you're going to be a 30 for 30. He is forever. Because they don't want to change the script. You know, the movie's already been made. Uh, for him, and I think there's too much other talent out there who can have the same effect as Trussell. And I think someone has proven he can do that. You know, um, you know, I think some of these other names on here, like Bryles uh, at, at Baylor, uh, I think he could be that. But yeah, you know, Trussell's thirty for thirty, man. Once you get that screen, once that once that stuff comes up on the screen, you see uh, what Claret is running, running and trying to do the little. Little uh, mini camp and little exercise and looking frustrated. I mean, when you're on with that, you know, Youngstown boys, that's it. That's it. The nail in the coffin. You got to go do the Division Three stuff and and win some more championships. Maybe coach Youngstown State. But I think you're right that they need somebody who comes with a look. I I think you're right that and and, and it's funny that they don't have. Unlike Florida State, there's no kind of you know succession plan. You know yeah. um, and that right there says a lot about what's going on, you know, at Texas. And and part of it is, does, would you think that Texas has, do they have an inflated ego? You know, do they have Notre Dame effect? Is that part of the problem? 
I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, and I'm branding it that way, but sometimes the arrogance, you know, they got their own TV network. That was probably the problems with the Big 12 and not why they couldn't keep some of the teams. There's an arrogance in Texas. Talk to me. I disagree. Why, why you disagree? You don't, you don't think Texas is on Notre Dame level when it comes to arrogance? I do. I do, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. I do you do, think they're lower or higher then? So, so a couple of things. To answer your question, Larry, yes, I do think that they are on Notre Dame's level of arrogance. But this is where I differ. I think it's uh, more deserved. I think it's more deserved based on their body of work, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years. They've been a top 10 program for most of those years. In Notre Dame, all you really have had is one or two really stellar years in that span. That's it. And so – in some ways, Texas is – so I think the other aspect that hurts them like it hurts Notre Dame is that their, their, their base, their fan base, they're not – like they are critically un, like unrealistic like Notre Dame is, and that's what gets them in trouble. So you kick out – you want Matt Brown out. You don't care what it is. You just need to see Mac Brown leave. That's what you need That's to right. see when you're a booster in Texas. All right, we got That's rid right. of Mac. Who we got? Who we got? Uh, hmm. I don't know, but Mac gone. Well, no, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like Michigan fans. You know, at one yeah. point, they was talking about getting ready, like getting rid of Bo, getting rid of Carr, getting rid of Moeller. Who are you bringing in? Who are you bringing in? And so, to me, Texas, they have the money, they have the resources, and they have the cachet still with recruits. Another five years, they may not. But they still have that cachet that is Texas. You know, Texas doesn't need to have five different jerseys. They got that classic burnt orange on white and the classic white on burnt orange, and that's what works. Another five years, that script may be flipped. And, and and I just act, I ask that not because I think they're Notre Dame. I ask that because I think they they need to sell themselves a little bit more and be a little bit humble about who they bring in. But I think they're a lot like Florida State in a sense that their they, their return to glory could be fast. Now think about it. I mean, people were trying to kick Bobby out. Bobby was having some decent. I mean, it wasn't great seasons, but then. You know, they back on top quickly. And I think they yeah. could have that kind of turnaround with the right coach. But I think the arrogance that they carry might keep them from getting the right coach. And and that's the part that I worry about down there, that there might be a, a, such an arrogance right now that might not might make a coach like, like Browse, who, who thinks he, he could probably do a great job down there at Sumlin, say, why well, should I put up with that because I can beat them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know imagine I imagine what a guy like Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern would do with the pipeline down in Texas if he got in there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they'd ever be able to pitch that to make him leave. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. ideally he would be one of the top candidates, but I don't think Texas could ever pitch anything that would make him even want to leave. And that's an indictment on Texas itself. So. That's why I look at Notre Dame and them almost equal terms. It's like y'all could have the best coaches, but y'all can't even pitch them. So, yeah. 
we while we're here, look, we we had the we had the Heisman Trophy show coming here. Now my guy Lynch, Jordan Lynch, I love him, an NIU alum. He had his prepared speech. He was mad he came to win. I got to call my guy down there. He was AD. I love Sean Fraser. I think they're doing an excellent job at NIU. But he knew he was. He's going to go out and knew he went winning. And I'm in. I, and, I, and I love it. I get the email from the president. I love what they're doing. But he wasn't winning. So that was part of it. But then Jameis Winston wins. And, you know, aside from the, the, the controversy, we can all get in there. But this kid, I heard him on some interviews and stuff. He's an interesting kid. Solid presentation. Um, learned a tough lesson this fall. Um, he's ready for offseason, but, you know, what did you, what did you think about him and what did you think about the whole Heisman race and did the right person in your mind win? Uh, LR, let me know. Well, I mean, this year the candidates, I, I deemed them all worthy to win it. Now, as much as you want to say that, you know, Jordan Lynch plays in the MAC and the competition, blah, 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 his numbers were astounding. And yeah. if I was him, I would have prepared a speech, too, to win this thing <laughs> because it really shouldn't matter uh, who you're playing as much as – I mean, I, I would really want the Heisman to be more of a weighted scale, when they look at the stats from player to player. And I know that people will just poo-poo that, but you got to admit, Florida State in the ACC, I mean, they're not really playing nobody either. I mean, let's be realistic about this. I mean, who they playing? So I'm glad Winston won. To me, he was the best, the best player out of all of the big schools, but – I would have gave it to Jordan Lynch personally, and I'm not being a homer with that either. Just go look at the numbers, and you'll see this dude put up Nintendo numbers. Okay. Yeah, let's let's I run mean, through his numbers. He uh, so this year he threw for 2,600 yards, 63 percent completion percentage, 33 passing touchdowns against only seven picks. He ran the ball almost 300 times. Uh, for a seven-yard average for a NCAA record for quarterbacks for almost yep. 1,900 yards, 1,881 to be exact, and he got in the end zone running 22 times. Carry on. I mean, that's 50, over 50 touchdowns. I mean, that's nuts. That, hey, that's Eric Crouch numbers, yo. <laughs> Eric Crouch, wow. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> And I would agree with you if I knew this wasn't uh, the most valuable player from the big conference. I think he's got great stats. I thought he was great. I thought he could be there. But this becomes a promotion for college football. You know, it's now sexy to figure out who's going to be the redshirt freshman for the Heisman now. You know, it's a marketing ploy in a way. And I was saying he, that Jameis wasn't a great thing, but you could make Bridgewater. I mean, you think that some of these quarterbacks, I mean, with one loss or two losses, I mean, these quarterbacks that won some big games. Um, you know, I, I think there's some things there that you can make a case for. But I think when you think about the total package, the leadership, 
Uh, I never forget that expression that he had on his face when he was walking into Clemson and just smiled at the camera, looked back at his teammates like, we're here, and just went out there in the, in the intensity there, and they just put it on Clemson in Clemson. Uh, to me, I think that was a game that won it. Um, I think Johnny Football is probably still the best player, but he didn't win enough of those big games. And, you know, he can't, you know, he can't take responsibility for it the defense that make the play, key plays. Uh, but I think he had a great – I just think his PR was so terrible. If he didn't have the offseason he had, I think people would have made a case for him to be back-to-back. But I think Jordan Lynch is more than that. But I just think it's just like defensive players. I think defensive players and mid-American kind of uh, tier players are in the same boat. You know, you got to do something for some reason – you know, if they voted after a bowl game when they whoop somebody, they might give it to them. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it came down to, to, to I, I think, a person that is going to hopefully wear it well. Um, and we don't find out anything else has come out. Now, that was it. We did a lot with college football. We'll come back with this. We're going to get in the mix. And now we're going to kind of make our way into a little bit about the NFL um, we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, Phil. What happened? See, you, already, you already know what I'm saying about Shanahan. Now, you already know what I'm saying about The Shanahan. Don't trust them. You know, I, I think that, you know, somebody says, uh, uh, a Levertire show, he had this kind of thing. Of, he, he would say, you know, uh, the the sports figure is most likely to be whatever. And Shanahan was most likely to be uh, Southern's war general. <laughs> it was just, it was crazy. But there's something about Shanahan that's just crazy. And I don't know what it is. I'm try I try to say you know everybody says you know this guy's a great coach. He's got to be a great coach. But there's just something wrong. And then this whole RG three thing. Phil, help me. I mean. You're the kind of person I lean on. I call you offline when I need to have somebody help me make sense of the world. I think you do the same for me <laughs> when you call me. So we are buddies on this. I need you to help me understand what is happening in Washington. Oh, my goodness. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. <laughs> cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's it. That's all I got, man. I... Yeah. Well, Sorry. Okay, listen, listen, listen. listen. As, as funny as that is, it's the truth. I mean, you know, we just were talking about Eric Crouch here. But the issue is that RG3 is not a typical Shanahan quarterback. I mean, they, like, they appreciate if a quarterback can move around a little bit, like the snake could, but – they typically want guys who can read progressions and throw the football on time and accurately. And when you have guys like RG3, like Cam Newton, and the list goes on, they do not fit the mold. When they don't fit the mold, there's problems. Now, if you guys notice, I know, you know, they weren't, you know, really trying to make a big deal about it, but Cousins fit the program, better than RG3 does. So then you got to ask yourself, okay, what is upper management thinking versus what is the coaches thinking when you draft a guy and sacrifice all those picks to get a guy that doesn't fit what your coach likes to do? 
the, the pages, they're not on the same pages here. So something's got, somebody got to go. So, and you know Schneider ain't going nowhere. So, but, but, but Jen worked with me on this. But, but, but Jen Han wanted him. That was his, that was his draft. Uh, that, that, that's, no, yes, he did. He, he, he no, he him. didn't. No, he didn't. I don't believe that for a second. That's lip service. Hold it, hold it. Is it RG3's fault? Is it? Did Shanahan picks his offensive lineman? Look, is it is it his fault they can't block? Like, is there nepotism? Like, let's get deep with this, y'all. Can y'all give me a minute? <laughs> well, and, and their they're, defense they're, is god awful too. But at the same time, got his experience in, in in Houston with like they, somebody described it with his uncle Kubiak, you know. Yeah. Like, is he judging his son? Can he fire his son? Come on now. <laughs> well, his, his son was a coach for the Jets too, though. And so, like, if you go and look that at all of terrible. the dudes who they, but but if, if but if you go and look at all the guys that they normally had under center, none of them fit the mold, or RG three doesn't fit the mold compared to any of them at all. Elway was a running quarterback. He coached Elway. Elway was a running quarterback. No. Elway was a great athlete. See, people yeah. forget Elway no, ran the no. football. Elway ran when he had to. He he ran oh, when he, he had, had to run. Design boot plays for Elway. Design runs for Elway. Ooh, that job. ain't that Elway. running. Yes, he did. That ain't running. That that ain't that's, that's not right. Elway ran. Okay, okay. did Elway oh, have now? a run first? Quick, did Elway we have a the brothers in like the other ran? Elway ran. Young ran. They were did, running quarterbacks as much as these guys. Did he have a run first mentality? I don't think no. RG3 is a young quarterback who's dynamic. He throw the ball from the pocket. Elway was running with early on. LA was running early on. So was so young. I haven't seen it. Larry, I haven't Larry, seen it. Larry, you see. I haven't work, seen work, it. Work, work, work with me. Work with me. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Larry, you yeah. see RG3 as a run first quarterback? I think when push comes to shove, yeah. This is the same guy that said Cam Newton was going to win the rookie of the year. And this is my boy. <laughs> hey. 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 I should have got a flat screen TV on that one. Hey, I'd rather have a good old line and a guy sitting back there picking people apart. Cam Newton can't do that. I don't care what you say. He can't. He cannot do that. He's not going to sit back there and pick people apart. Neither will RG3. I don't think so. Now I know you know Shanahan. They run these little stretch and zone blocking and whatever. You you do run them on boots, and he do appreciate guys who can move. But you know there's a there's a distinct difference between a guy like Cutler versus a guy like RG three. Would y'all agree to that? But is it RG three fault or is it Shanahan's fault? How come Shanahan doesn't get me blamed? It's like he like Teflon. It's like he got pictures well, on everybody. Well, I, I'm not going. <laughs> I, I'm not like, going to excuse him. What has Shanahan him? done without Elway? Give me one thing he's I'm, done. He didn't do anything in Oakland. What has he done without not, Elway? But I'm not blaming Shanahan. I'm not blaming Shanahan. I'm not really blaming RG3. I'm blaming the GM. They they are drafting guys that don't fit the mold. That's kind of what you do in the NFL. I know people poo-poo that coaches shouldn't be calling shots in draft rooms, 
But at the same time, you got to have an idea that this person might fit the mold a little bit better than me trading first-round picks for two years to get a guy that don't fit the mold. They got Kirk Cousins in the same draft, dude. They, G- I blame the GMs of the Washington Redskins, period. And, and, I blame and that, part, that part I will give you. But I think Shanahan, from everybody's reports, people who know Shanahan, Shanahan is a control freak. Nothing happened there without his signing off. So, but then he, he, he got hired by Washington, which has one of the biggest control freaks in the league. But, but from all reports, as an owner, when, when he hired Shanahan, he gave Shanahan the keys. So this is the part that killed me. Shanahan has never been in a place where he has had control. So, and he's not saying he didn't have control. That's not, that's, not the thing, that's not what's coming out from him at all. These are all Shanahan's moves. Yet somehow Snyder, Snyder's actually done what we, we hope would happen in Dallas. Snyder's actually pulled back. You don't see them kind of big money contracts coming in. You see him working through the draft. He's actually tried to go the other way. You got to recognize that with Snyder, and he gave Shanahan the keys, and he gave his son the offense. Do you fire his son? If you don't keep Shanahan, do you fire his son, Eli? I mean, I don't know if you could ever get away with doing something like that. I mean, if you fire his son, then Shanahan probably just gonna resign. I mean, if you if you if you want to get if Oh yeah, yeah. I I fire him with the quickness because I mean, I I don't you know I don't I don't think that there is any excuse for the Washington offense to be as bad as it was this year. I mean, and and to be honest, they're not even that bad. <laughs> I mean, there's worse offenses in this league. Okay, that, that's a given. But I mean, I guess if I if I want to stay on topic here, it's. Mm-hmm. Does RG3 fit the system that they want to run? And I just, the jury is still out. And I don't know if it's some lingering stuff with his knee or what, or is it, I, they question his study habits. You know, that's the type of stuff that you really don't know. And when you bench him, that pretty much tells you that he does not fit the program. I mean, that's, that's what I well, read I, when I see I, I, that. What I would say in closing is I want to get a comment over here from uh, uh, from Phil. I think you, you you make some great points a lot. Is that I think where I blame Shanahan again is how you, the whole process was managed with the change in the, in, in the injury. Kind of like the Bulls. I think they, didn't, yep. they should have learned from the Bulls and got out in front of it and and managed it in a different way because you had cousins. You know, they let they let R G D run this thing and they didn't run yep. it. And so you saw Shanahan doing one of the what I think is a cardinal sin that I think we all learn from people like Belichick and some of the great coaches is that I'm shopping for the groceries, I'm gonna do it my way, if I'm gonna go down to my way. I think his instinct told him to go another way with it, which he would have started out with cousins and let R G three heal yep. and then come back, but he got caught up in the moment. And so I just think yep. there's some things here about where they what they've done, and RG three has some culpability in this too. You know, uh, you know, I'm still mad at him the way he, you know, Donovan and a whole bunch of other things. I mean, he's he's got an arrogance that's coming out of the locker room that he got to put some stuff in check uh, as well in Washington. And so we'll watch this as we go. Um, these are great stuff. We'll come back. I'm I'm assuming that they're the new Cowboys of the North, so there's gonna be some saga <laughs> coming out of there every week. 
uh, that we're going to learn about. We have plenty to talk about. It's just good for sports talk radio, especially underground. We'll take you deep. But we'll just talk about some real people who got real opportunities. We got some divisional races. We kind of got this Saints and Panthers thing going on. Um, you know, uh, I've been, uh, I was big on the Saints uh, preseason in terms of making the playoffs. It was one of my teams, bouncing back from a terrible year. You criticize Cam, but what they're doing on defense and what how Cam has done and won some key games on the on the road and been doing some things. The Panthers, you know, at a time when Rivera could have been fired, have resurrected and made some changes and probably saved his job. You got the Lions and the Bears. The, the Lions, the head case unit from the neck up, and you got the Bears. We ain't gonna talk about, but you got the Bears, and then you got the Packers. With some craziness going on, get lucky because they played the Cowboys, who we don't know what's going on with them. And then we got Dallas, Jerry Jones's circus, trying to make a run. <laughs> when you think about all this craziness, Bill, <laughs> it's like the, NF, the NFC is like entertainment every day. It's like reality TV. Yeah. yeah. Philly as well. I mean, quietly, Philly's put together some solid stuff. They're kind of settling in, you know. Who are you thinking? What are you thinking about these divisional races? Where do you think we're going? Who do you think is going to emerge out of this? Well, the NFC is, is so dynamic right now, and, and one statement can just, you know, put it in a in a bow. The San Francisco 49ers at 10-4 and 4 are the sixth seed in the NFC right now. <laughs> and so when I look at those divisional races, the one that intrigues me the most is Carolina and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I like Carolina. I do. They have the Saints at home coming up this weekend, and then they get to go to Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta is just pretty much going to make that be a homecoming uh, for Gonzalez, essentially. So I like Carolina to to walk away um, with that division, and at twelve and four or eleven and five, they can be the second seed right now in the NFC. So um, that's the one that's most intriguing to me. LR, as you look at the playoff race, you got your Bears making a run. You got the Packers in there. I'll be in Lambeau Field this weekend watching my Steelers, who are just trying to do what they can do, whatever they can resuscitate, whatever's going on there. But I'm gonna cheer them on. That's what I do. If you're still a fan, I'm going to be in Lambeau. I'll report it via RSG on the road. Y'all better follow me on Twitter. I'll give you updates and videos as I'm heading to Lambeau Field for the first time to watch the Steelers. So what's going on? Can you see your Bears make a run? What are your thoughts about this playoff run? Well, this is one of the most exciting playoff runs I've been a part of in a while. Um, Even on the AFC, nothing's really settled. I mean, there are some people who clinch playoff spots, but the seeding is all over the place. Um, as much as I would love to just go in on how Detroit is horrible, uh, the most intriguing race is what badness is going to come out of the NFC East. I mean, you look at Dallas and how they pretty much didn't show up to play the Bears on Monday night because it was too cold and what they did against Green Bay in the second half, and then you weigh that horribleness with 
the, with, with Philly going to the Hump Dome and getting obliterated by Matt Castle, it's like how bad can the NFC East get to determine who's going to win this? So I, that's, the, that's the division I'm laughing at the most. Uh, but I am really intrigued with what's going on in the South, too, like Phil's been saying, because one of the issues with New Orleans is if they don't win the South, they're probably going to have to go on the road to face an opponent in the first round. And look what they've done on the road this year. I mean, they just got obliterated by St. Louis on the road. And it's like you can't win with those dudes unless they're down in they hump dome. And if you get them outside of the dome, then they're vulnerable. They're real vulnerable. So I, I'm real interested, and I'm probably going to be watching the New Orleans-Carolina game on the, on the ticket this weekend because that's going to be the game to watch. Let's talk about the Green Bay Cowboys game. You know, a lot of been talk about Garrett throwing Romo under the bus and kind of. Romo threw his under the bus. I know you got some other thoughts you might want to roll out here, so I'll roll it to you and then let you spin off into wherever you might want to go. But and LR, you know, you always welcome to jump in. But um, they described the play, and this is why I have a problem with Jason Garrett. And he throws Romo on the bus. But, but some of it is, look, you've got to lead. So what, they have 12 in the box to run the football. And he's had problems, so he doesn't have credibility because he's, he's has a history of making poor decisions in tight moments. And so you call a play that gives a quarterback an option who is, in this season alone, thrown picks that have been devastating down the So it's an opportunity to handcuff them, and you, you put a play in with, and you tag it with something that gives them an option. Who is the blame on this? Is it Romo, Phil, or is it Garrett? Oh, um. Man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, so I think there's blame to go around. First of all, Tony Dungy said it. Said it. Said it first. As a coach, you you have to know. So let me take a step back. You know, I played baseball. You know, my whole life growing up, and. You know, certain guys I play with, Trey Fellings, um, probably still holds the Kalamazoo, probably still holds the Kalamazoo Central uh, steals record um, for bases stolen. He had the green light all the time. But there was a time when the green light was not there. If you're up by ten runs, you no longer have the green light. You know, if the score is tied – and we're in the last inning, and there's no outs, you never make the first or the last out at third base. So if you're at second base, don't try to steal third. Just just don't. I mean, the green light has to be off. And so mm-hmm. Garrett aired some dirty laundry. You're right, D. He put him underneath the bus. But at the yeah. same time, I feel like 
if the green light was not on for him to have the option to audible and to option out, um, he would have said that too. And what he said was there's an option on that play. If he gets a good look and it's high percentage, Tony can throw the ball. Well, in that situation, that shouldn't be an option. And to me, that comes back to Garrett. It comes back to Garrett. And as much as I don't like to defend Tony Romo, another random thought that has to do with the (laughs) Dallas Cowboys that I've been dying to share all show (laughs) is Jerry Jones. Jerry is so funny, man. He comes down and... You know, I saw this video of an interview. He just he just kind of moseys down and hangs out around outside the locker room because he's available. <laughs> he's available for the media. <laughs> I mean, what other what other owner just moseys down and stands outside the locker room and holds court? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Jerry is just, and some of the stuff he says, I'm like, really? I mean, what? You know, uh, is Garrett going to be here next year? You know, in the past, Jerry, you said yes or no, but, you know, on Sunday you had a problem with somebody asking you that question. You know, uh, okay, Jerry, that that's my random thought. I'm back, though. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, you you, you picked out the moment because it is like it's like stay out, quit being puff, daddy. Get out the video. You're all up in the video. Get behind the camera. Uh, it kills me, but you know Jerry still makes that money in the big dome, so he keeps it, he keeps it, he keeps it moving. So we think about MVP candidates. Um, uh, you know, trying to think about those MVP candidates and, and, and keeping it going. So you got a little roll going right now. Now you, you, we're, we're we're moving down that stretch. Uh, who, first of all, who did you have at the beginning of the year as your MVP? And is it the same person now? Um, and and why isn't it? And then who who you think gonna end up winning? It's not during our preview show. I had Cam Newton as my MVP candidate. First, not and um, I think in in a certain year, you know, he could win the MVP with his numbers and what his team's been doing. But this year is Peyton Manning's award to lose, and unless they just tank these last two weeks, um, I think it's Peyton Manning's award to win. It looks like he, you know, will have some career highs in terms of yardage and touchdown passes, and if he has a really good two weeks. He can actually break some of those records. So uh, I think it's Manning, Peyton Manning, <laughs> not Eli, but Peyton Manning's award to lose. Okay. Larry, who who, who do you think your MVP is going to be the MVP winner for NFL? Well, in the beginning of the year, I penciled in Megatron to win it. I mean, I, I didn't really see anybody in the NFC North that was going to stop Detroit's offense. And then to a point, they haven't. Whoever they played, Megatron's been pretty awesome besides uh, last night. Uh, I know Peyton Manning's going to win it this year. I mean, he's the poster boy for the NFL. He gets all of the accolades, all of the sponsors. It's kind of hard to deny him the MVP any year that he's actually playing because, I mean, he's going to 
you know, pretty much throw for 50 touchdowns a year. <laughs> so, and, and he plays quarterback. So, he's going to win it this year, and I'm okay with it. He's, he's had a great season, and, and without him, the Broncos will be hot garbage. So, you got to give it to the guy who pretty much wheels their team to the playoffs every year. So, and I picked Peyton Manning preseason, and I think he'll win. But you know, I do want to put a plug in for two players I think are having incredible seasons. Uh, Drew Brees, when you think about what's happened with what happened with the New Orleans organization last year, and you know, coming back and the way he's you know he's played this year, he's put up some incredible numbers uh, this year, and um, you know, it just has played at such a high level. I think he. Um, he reached, I forget the mark he just reached recently where he, you know, the fastest person to reach that mark. Um, and so he, I mean, he's done some things, you know, here that I think should be noticed. Um, and then LaShawn McCoy, man. Yeah, Shady. Stuff he's been, Shady, yeah. Shady been doing, and you think about Philly where they were last year, and, you know, even though they got a crazy NFC East issue, I mean, they, if you think about the Eagles had so far to come. And um, Kelly's come there and kind of reestablished something. But I think one of the things I said, I said on my criticism of the previous regime, who's now in Kansas City, was the fact that I didn't think they seriously were running the football with McCoy. And now that you know what seriously running the football with McCoy looks like, and I used to argue this with PhD all the time, but this <laughs> is where you seriously have to honor the run. This is serious running. You can get if you if you were able to do that, and we may not have have had a regime change in Philly. So um, uh, I think those are two people you got to do it. You know, Russell Wilson. I think there's a lot of talk, but I I think they have a team, and you know I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, but I think Seattle is the closest thing to really being a team. Like everybody's contributing, and he's doing an extraordinary job. I just think as a team, they're doing an incredible job as well, and so. Um, I think Russell, but I, I think McCoy and, and Breeze are uh, incredible folks to look at this. So we're going to go to six in the chamber. we got six games to pick, and uh, it's going to be uh, – yeah, I think this is where I try to seal the deal uh, this year, um, working with the game changer and Phil T. I, I think they've just been overwhelmed a little bit with me in these picks, but they're trying to come back, <laughs> um, uh, trying to get themselves together. Um, and, and it was good to have Larry here with us to, to be a part of this, so we'll, we'll do it. And the first game we have is we have Pittsburgh and Green Bay. I will be in Lambeau Field. I don't know if I need to abstain from it. Um, oh, this is a tough one for me. I'll start out early and just put my name on. Oh, this is going to be tough. i got to say Pittsburgh because I'm going to be in the house. I'm going to just reach, root for them. Um, I think Green Bay, it's hard to beat them in Lambeau Field, but this is one I'm just going to take an L on because I'm a Steelers fan. And I'm glad to just go with Pittsburgh in this one. Phil T, Pittsburgh Green Bay. I will gladly make up a game of your seven or eight game lead on this one. I'll take Green Bay. <laughs> All right, Larry, who you got? Um, I, I don't foresee Pittsburgh having enough firepower to keep up, so I'm going to go with the pack on this as much as it pains me to do. Oh, my goodness. A bear fan. He's betting on the packs on this one. <laughs> I know. You, 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 it's blasphemy. Blasphemy. Uh, blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killing me with this. Um, we got Chi Town. We got the home of Kanye West. 
going up against Philly, you know, Philly Stakes. Alar, who you got? You're a Chi-Town guy. Chi-Town yeah. Philly. What's going on? Uh, you know, the thing about it is that I don't know which defense is worse, Phillies or the Bears. So <laughs> can I play the over on this one? <laughs> you got to just go with it, man. You better just go. Can your boys do it? What you got? All right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, that our wide receiver our wide receivers are gonna make the difference in the game. Both defenses are horrible. The quarterbacks are more or less even, and the running backs are more or less even. But our wide receivers are clearly better than Philadelphia. I'm putting a check mark in the Bears box. Is, is anyone in, more impressive when you hear him interview than Brandon Marshall? I mean, I just heard him interview. I just love – I hope to get him on the air. I just love hey, how he's grown. I like him. Let me tell you guys something. If you ever get a chance to watch a lot of the Bears post games where he actually goes in studio with the sports guys like Dan Hampton mm-hmm. and yeah. – um, I forget the other guy, but he actually comes in after the home games. This dude, don't be surprised. He's going to end up being a commentator when his career is done. Cause he's, and I heard this morning he, he was just good. He's awesome, yeah. And it's like yeah. I'm glad to see that, you know, a dude can get past his problems and actually grow as a person. Like, that's awesome. So I, I, I'm wishing yeah. him more luck with that stuff than I am about football. But he's a damn good player, too, so it, it's great. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to rush you to thank you for that. And Phil T, who you got? I like Philly. You got Philly. Um, yeah. Wow. And this is at Philadelphia. Um Right. Um, I'm gonna go with Philly. Yeah, D's going with Philly. All right, we got Arizona versus Seattle. This is gonna be a great game. You know, some these teams, some teams have kryptonite. I think Arizona has like kryptonite to Seattle. Um, uh, Phil, who you got? So this is my shocker of the week. I'm gonna take Arizona on the road against Seattle, and you know. I mean, this is really a wild card pick, but there's something about this Arizona offense that's been heating up. And to me, it's a direct correlation of them giving Ellington more looks. I think giving Ellington more looks than Mendenhall is good because it keeps Mendenhall fresher. And Mendenhall's actually been playing well the last couple of weeks. And Palmer is just a guy that is just inconsistent, period. And I think he's going to have a good game this week. I'm going with the, I'm going with the 12th man in Seattle. I'm going with Seattle. LR, who are you going with? Man, Phil, you smoking, dude. Seattle, big time. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm leaving. This is why I'm leaving, LR. This is why I'm leaving right now. Uh, this is a big game. They play twice, I think, here down the stretch. Don't they? New Orleans against Carolina. Uh, uh, LR, who are you going with? Well, you already know how I feel about New Orleans on the road, so I'm taking uh, Carolina on this one. He going with Cam for once. All right. Yep. <laughs> we gonna go with Phil. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with Carolina. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Carolina on this one. I think at home in tough games like this, home. Home field could mean they got a great defense in Carolina. I think it's going to be Carolina. All right. We got Indy against 
Kansas City. Phil, who you got? Kansas City. Jamal Charles is playing unbelievable right now in their defense. Yeah. I think we'll have an answer for for luck. Indianapolis, they've been looking pretty bad the last couple of weeks. Even in the yeah. games they won, you know, I mean they they have a playoff like they have that division wrapped up and I just don't see this team focused right now. I agree with you. I'm going with Kansas City uh, on this one. LR, who are you going with? Um, you know, Indianapolis has been a pretty big enigma for me this year, especially from the uh, sports investing perspective. <laughs> they they can look so good one week, and then for two weeks they're going to suck, and then they look good again against, you know, Houston, and then they suck again for another two weeks. I'm going with India on this one. <laughs> oh, here we go. LR going against the grain. That's a liberal arts education. And the last game of the week, New England against Baltimore. This is a big one in, in Baltimore. All right, LR, who do you have? Uh, well, kicking six field goals didn't inspire much confidence in uh, Flacco's ability. As, as the game changer says, bum with an arm. So I'm going to take New England on this one. You know, for me, Baltimore is like, again, kryptonite for New England. I predict another Bailey, uh, uh, Brady tirade in the postgame. Um, I, I think I'll take uh, Baltimore here to, to, to beat. I'm going with Hardball on this one. Um, he somehow just makes it to the playoffs. I'm going with Hardball. I'm going with Baltimore. Bill T. I will happily make up two games on you this week by going with New England with this one. Well, you'll be down two more games by going with <laughs> New England. <laughs> uh, this is good. All right, quickly, you know, we're going to, um, before we get into our, our resistance digital dog of the week, um, I just want to um, get a, we, we won't get too much in the NBA talk because we'll try to do, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the heat of it when we come back. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take some time off. We'll have some classic shows going. We might have a couple spotlight kinds of things happening throughout these next four weeks. But then we're gonna come back. Uh, January 14th will be our first show uh, back in the cut, uh, where we'll be able to get into a lot more NBA talk. Uh, but I just want to spend, a, spend a, few, a few minutes, maybe both of you, just briefly, with your observation of, of Kobe's comeback uh, here. Uh, Phil, how, do, how have you? What do you think about the way Kobe has kind of worked himself back into uh, and, and what do you think about the long-term impact? Well, I think it's impressive that he's been able to come back, you know, anywhere from two to four weeks earlier, uh, early than expected. And he, he's been a bit inconsistent since he's come back, but he's still showing that he has the ability to be a franchise player. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I just want to see Kobe finish it strong. I do. I don't want to see him doing what Kevin Garnett's doing right now. To me, it's just sad. Kevin Garnett's been one of my favorite players since he's come into the league. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to see a legend like Kobe. And, and I've never been Kobe's biggest fan, but I've always respected and admired his game and admired him winning. I just want to see him do his thing. 
you know, and, and to me that means not averaging any less than 20 points a game. Um, and so we'll see if he can sustain that for the rest of the season. But he doesn't have a whole lot around him, um, but then he does have a whole lot around him. You look at Gasol, you look at Hill, you know, it's, I don't know. They And, he, and then he's eating up $48 million for the next two years or, or two years after this year. It's, uh, I just don't know. I just don't see the Lakers be in a position to compete for his championship over the next two to three years. I just don't. And we, we're going to have this, uh, we're planning this uh, game changer against, you know, Dr. Damon Williams, and some of you uh, folks have heard Dr. Williams talk a little bit uh, back in the day. He's a great sports fanatic, great Kobe fan. You know that game changer is an ultimate Kobe hater. And so we're putting together a show, we hope, I, I just talked to Dr. Williams around the Kobe factor. Because <laughs> we want to get deep, and this could be long. Hey, can I be on that day. one too? <laughs> we might we might have to get to I don't know if I have enough room and enough mics. Uh but we're gonna figure that one out. We might have you come in as a guest LR to give you that. Uh you're in Chicago, LR. And recently they just had some comments today that uh uh Derek Rose doesn't want to try and, you know, move into this rebuilding stage. He's afraid that folks won't get re signed, um uh that the Bulls are may have reached their limit now. The management has to think about what their future is. They're not sure about how he's going to come back. What do you hear in the streets in Chi-Town? Well, mostly the fans are fed up with Derek saying anything about anything concerning the Bulls. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those guys who supports Derek when he's doing and saying the right things, but in this case I have to disagree with him you know, and his stance that he doesn't feel the Bulls should be trying to rebuild. Uh, you, you can't have a guy like Boozer as a max guy. He Boozer himself has handcuffed this team, and Derek being injured has also handcuffed this team. So you have to understand as a player that you have to make certain sacrifices if you want to win the war. And if that means letting Dane go – if that means amnesty and boozer, then that's what you got to do if you're trying to win the championship. And I think that sometimes Derek and his people get more caught up in um, a lot of the social fabric versus what makes sense as a basketball financial move. And they let that play into a lot of their responses, and they need to kind of just stop and just let the Bulls do what they think is best at this point because – we can't let Derek be the center of the team anymore. It's too risky, and it's not financially responsible. So I, I hope it gets better. But right now, I mean, the East is so bad, we can't even try to be bad in the East. <laughs> you know, it, it's a tough job to be bad in the East. <laughs> and so you have to be like back before they had the lottery bad in order to get a lottery pick this year. And the Bulls are in, like, purgatory almost. It's like you don't know what to do. So you will see what happens this off season. Y'all heard it for LR. We we gonna close out the NBA talk for now. That was a great analysis. This is why we have this guy. And to honor him, uh we'll boss it, drop it down to do the resistance digital dog of the week. All right, boys. I normally have good players 
and some funny players' wives as dog of the week, but this is probably the first kicker that I'm ever going to nominate. Justin Tucker, every Chicago Bears fan loves you. We want to hug and kiss you, and we thank you for the 25 fantasy points to win against the number two seed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I was the number seven seed. I was the number seven seed, and I beat the number two seed thanks to Justin Tucker. Thank you. Thank you. Bro, this 25 is, points from your kicker. I'd be thanking him, too. I'm yeah, buddy. All the way. All the way live on 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 that one, Phil P Phil T PhD, talk to me. But this is this is dog of the week. Who do you got? <laughs> My dog of the week is Mark D'Antonio, um, the head football coach of Michigan State Spartans. <laughs> There's been rumors that he's going to take over at Texas, <laughs> and when he was asked about it. D'Antonio's response was, you know, I'm flattered, you know, just to be mentioned. It's it's very flattering. You know, I mean, I'm going to stay at Michigan State. That's where I see myself, but I'm flattered. You know, that's, that's an interesting take, to just know that that's a better job than where you're currently at. <laughs> well, I will say this. My dog of the week is Marcus Madonna. He whooped up on my boy Broner. Get him down to, you know, I know they got some investigations going on. Until they figure out something else is going on, I think they have to investigate what was that that hit uh, Broder in the face. And uh, it was an incredible <laughs> fight to knock that down. And let's see if Adrian, uh, the problem, will be a problem for somebody else in the near future. LR, what specials you got going on, brother, before we close out? Well, Anybody that uh, gives a call to Resistance Digital, I'm going to give you a 5% discount on any purchase. Just give me a call. Uh, my no- phone number is 630-547-5115 or email me at sales at resistancedigital.com. Give it to him one more time, Larry. Phone number is 630-547-5115 and the email is sales at resistancedigital.com. Thanks, brothers. All right. We love having you here, Filthy. It's been a pleasure, man. I feel like Dr. Dre's been in the house. Until uh, January 14th, we will see you again. Check us out on realsportsguide.com. Follow us on Twitter. And until next time.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.